the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffle Podcast, Episode 114. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Happy birthday, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. It's a big Happy day. Hey, I know. It's my birthday. Mm-hmm. I... Well, I'm... <laughs> probably going to say something you're not going to expect. I am feeling sort of melancholy. I've, mm. I, this is such a rare, and melancholy is such a rare emotion for me that I forget that I almost always feel this on my birthday. Um, yeah, I'm feeling a little melancholy. I think it's because of the slippage of time and I start getting really, um, I'm, it's just my orientation to time, I guess. Yeah. And I start thinking about, you know, um, um, impermanence and all of that. And I just get really melancholy on my birthday. I forget mm-hmm. that. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sad or, or anything no. at all. It makes sense. And I feel super grateful that I am uh, 50 today because, mm, I don't know, uh, there were some days that, you know, I didn't think I'd get to 50. So, yeah, very grateful to be here. I mean, eight uh, birthdays are a gift for sure. Yeah. It is a gift to get older. And I know all that. Um, but, yeah, I think the slipping of time part of birthdays – makes me feel a little melancholy. So, you know, I'll experience a gamut of emotions today. I'm sure of that. (laughs) Yeah. I will. Yeah. I'll go from this to, you know, excitement. I'll probably experience a little joy later on today as well. So this is just one of many. <laughs> well, you're going to experience a lot of emotions, I'm sure, um, in the coming weeks, in the month. Like, I, I take a whole month for the birthday. Oh, wow. Yeah. I just love it. I love a birthday. But yes, reflection, looking back on our lives, seeing where we're at, this whole kind of, yeah, we're here. And I'm, uh-huh. so, and I'm so glad that, yeah, um, you can just be honest about that, too, because it is. Yeah. It's, it's not all bells and whistles, right? Yeah. And all, you know, and I think there's another piece to it too, where it's hard, you know, you get a lot of, especially, uh, you know, since the invention of Facebook, which we haven't lived with our entire lives, but then everybody knows it's your birthday. Oh yeah. You know, you get all those, uh, acknowledgements and happy birthdays and, uh, I have a hard time receiving things too. I think that that's part of it as well. I have a, mm. I have a hard time receiving um, 
compliments and praise. And that's just something I have to work on. It can be overwhelming when you get like 80,000 happy birthdays on um, (laughs) Facebook. It can be, right? Well, and I'm not saying, I mean, keep them coming. And I love to, to, to get, tell someone happy birthday. I love all that part too. It's just, it's just me and my, um, personal, um, problem with (laughs) being able to receive compliments and things like that. Yeah. Well, you've worked hard, my friend. And in this last year, you've been really intentional and, and purposeful with your health and your diet. And um, at least I think you have from what I know. I mm-hmm. have. You're yeah. right. I certainly have. I feel really good. Like physically, I feel great. I feel yeah. better. Mm. I feel better than uh, I did in my my. 30s, I would say, and and even in my early, definitely better than I did in my early 40s. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, it gets better, right? It just keeps getting better. And I know that maybe some younger people listening be like, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> sure I know. <laughs> but I know. I do feel more clear. And, and um, but no, 50 is a big deal. It's a big milestone and it is time for reflection. And you're allowed a little melancholy if you want, because you get to feel it all now, Sandra. Oh, no. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you get to feel me hug you on in a couple of days. Yay. I can't wait. That's that's what I need is some oxytocin. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to be meeting up in Portland in a couple of days. By the time this airs, everything will have happened. It will all be over. Um, but right now I'm excited to get there and trying to do 1 billion things before, which I'm sure you are too. (laughs) I'm in the weeds and that's part of it too. Maybe that's part of it as well. I'm kind of in the weeds and I am not just laying on the couch. I don't know, eating chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So we'll get there. I'm really excited. And, um, and we're going to meet up with Amanda Grace when you fly in. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. super exciting. I'm yeah. so excited. Yeah, it's going to be about great. that. Yeah. How, are you packed? Are you ready? No. Oh no. Oh, yeah, I no. don't pack until like the last 15 minutes. Oh, I'm not. Wow. <laughs> so I. You, you would think with all my you make list, a packing list or no? No. no. Oh. Mm-hmm. Wow. I have such travel anxiety. It would probably help me. So maybe I should do that today. You know, Mm. maybe that, maybe I should, that might help. Um, That, yes, you know what, that would help Sandra. So maybe I will attempt to get started packing today instead of waiting until tomorrow morning. Because that probably will be a shit show if I do that. Oh, yeah. And you have to leave super early and you would pack before you left? (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. I either do it the night before or the morning. I have anxiety thinking about that (laughs) and I don't have anxiety. (laughs) Right. So so maybe I'll do that ahead of time to kind of thwart things. I'm adding that to my list right now, Sandra. Okay. Yeah, that's helpful. Thank you. Yes. I I would think that that would only help smooth out some anxiety edges. Yeah. 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 Okay. I mean, (laughs) I'm not packed, but I have a packing list Mm. and well, and I did pack my bathrooms, you know, cause you get 
I try to, mm, I'm not so good at having all the travel sizes of things, but I oh. did, I, I do have a few. So I kind of started that. Well, Angie, just so you know, our hostess with the mostess, um, in her, I should tell you this, she has all kinds of travel size things in her guest bathroom. Oh, she has a nice uh, lotions, bathroom. potions. Yes. Nice. Beautiful Ooh. clawfoot tub. She'll have little, um, things, little bath bombs for you to throw in. Like she's got it all. Oh, that's fun. So if you don't, if you're missing something, I'm pretty sure it's going to be at her house. Oh, that's very fun. Oh, thank you for saying that. Yes. Yeah. Um, right. So I've packed that. I went through my purse and I cleaned out. I have like, I had like 25 lipsticks in my purse hmm. and about four pairs of readers in my purse. <laughs> that does not include the other um, stash of both of those things in my home. Huh. So in the bathroom and uh, under the bed um, in a <laughs> plastic tub. So did, did you scale down the lipsticks by like three or four or what did you do? I did. You I, did. I, pulled out, I, I pulled out the winter lipsticks and put mm. the, put some summer ones in and I went through and with a discerning, um, I, I, I decided on a few readers. <laughs> I love it. I have like the same lip gloss in my bag and I use it until it's gone and then I reorder it. So I do not have the lipstick. I, I once I get stuck on something, I'm just stuck. Wow. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. I have a red like that I use every once in a while that I'll pull out of my bathroom drawer, but no. I'm, I'm a weirdo about, um, since I do the January cure of not having a billion bathroom products, it's mm. taken me like five or six years and I just have slowly narrowed it down to like the essentials, but I also don't wear that much makeup. So, um, maybe that's, maybe I need a little bit more. <laughs> I don't think you need it. You either love makeup or you don't, you know, and I have no judgment either way. I personally love makeup. I love buying makeup. I bought makeup yesterday at Target. Mm. I love it. Mm -hmm. That's I usually where I buy it if I buy it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm not, I, I'm not a Sephora girl. I wish I was. Oh my God. I don't have, I don't have the Sephora budget right now, but, uh, I do love a Target makeup splurge. <laughs> well, I went to Natalie's, uh, Natalie Fairbrook, who's been on our show. I went to her house on Sunday for tea and toolboxes with a bunch of sober ladies. And uh, one of her tools was uh, teaching us about her face routine. And she used oh. face oil that Sasha- oh, I use face oil. Okay. okay yeah. Sasha Carella turned her onto it. And it's this company that will custom blend an oil for your face and they put your initials on the bottle. And oh, it that's fancy. It wasn't terribly expensive. Um, oh, really? Yeah, but she told us the whole routine and how it works, and then she sent out links afterwards. And so I may try some face oil because I am 48, and I feel like I just feel a little parched. You know? <laughs> I love face oil. I use face oil as well, okay. and I uh, sometimes I kind of blend up my own. I just actually picked hmm. another one up, but – a key ingredient for face oil for me, and maybe Natalie um, has a has a different opinion about this, but is rose hip oil. Mm -hmm. Rose hip oil is good for like uh, blemishes and uh, uh, skin in general. Mm -hmm. um, 
wrinkle, scarring, all of that. So yeah. uh, even if you get a face face oil that doesn't have rosehip oil in it, you can always add, you can always buy it, you know, separate, like pure rosehip oil and kind of add a splash to it. It's really good for your face. So mm -hmm, nice. that would be I, my tip. I use a rose geranium spray. Oh, I, I love the smell. Yeah. So good. And that has helped with my scarring from, um, from all that cystic acne I had when I was drinking. Mm -hmm. And so slowly over the years, I can just tell my face is improving and yeah. God, we could do a whole episode on this. <laughs> right. This is, this is beauty product hour with yeah. Sandra and Tammy. Yeah. Our guest <laughs> is going to be like, okay, ladies, let's get to the intro. Um, but I have one more thing to say before we go into all that. Uh -huh. so, so we're going to have a fun weekend. We're going to Amanda Grace's workshop together, which I'm very excited about. And, uh, but last weekend I taught my first proof of life course and it went uh -huh. so awesome, Sandra. It was oh, so it. fun to be live with the ladies and mm -hmm. have the Q&A. And real quick, I wanted to tell you, I didn't create a Facebook group for this um, class because I'm talking a lot of, about analog practices and I didn't want to be on Facebook. But like one day after the class was over, I was missing them. And I was like, I wonder what, what they're doing. Like, I, I wonder if they're practicing these things. And so last night I was... I created a Facebook group and invited all the gals in and they were like, first we were relieved that you didn't make one. And then we were kind of sad, like, how are we going to stay connected? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's I just going to be like for the month of the class and then the group's over, you know, it's just, right. it's just a temporary thing. So, um, I'm excited about that. So if people That's are interested fun. for next month, um, it's at the next session kicks off for July, the proof of life project. And um, you can check it out in my stories. And I've been making some highlights if people want to see what it's all about. This first week's about rituals or routines. I've been doing a lot of that. But um, it's for sale on my website, TammySolace.com. Great. Well, I'm still, yeah, I'm certainly still booking um, Change Your Story. I would love to work with you if you um, have a creative project that you want to bring to life. I've just started a couple of new clients this week for the month of June and I am booking for July oh. and after July, the price will go up. So yeah. get on it. If yeah. You want to lock in the price uh, that it is right now to 99. I love seeing some of the ladies that have had projects that they've shared publicly. Um, oh, and it's I'm, just been amazing to see what they've done in a month's time. And I'm from working myself. Yeah. You must feel so, so proud. I am so proud and they're writing me testimonials and I'm going to put them on my website. I've never had, oh. never had a testimonial before. I love it. I love I it. Know. Okay. So people can check those things out if they want. It's going to be great for summer if people are interested and have time. Like I think that, that both of those things, we could drive some projects forward and um, just have fun. Yeah. yeah. Theanruffle.com. I don't think yep. I said that. Theanruffle.com. Click the the pink bar at the top, change your story if you want to read more about it. Well, let's get to introducing our wonderful guest yes. today. Our, um, you want to do the bio and introduce her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of summer, summer makes me think of bikinis, and bikinis makes me think of our guest, Kelly Fitzgerald Hunko, who looks really just great in a bikini. <laughs> she does. She looks great all the time. Her fun hair. 
<laughs> just her smile is infectious. And I'm so yes. happy that we finally got to have her on the show. Yes. I've been so, wanting to for forever. So yes, this is great. Yes. We've known Kelly for a while in our, in our tight little community, but she, Kelly is a writer and a certified recovery coach based in Southwest Florida, who is best known for her personal blog, The Adventures of a Sober Senorita. Her work has been published across the web, including sites like the Huffington Post, Thought Catalog, Ravishly, She Knows, Elite Daily, The Fix, Brit and Company, Addiction Unscripted, and After Party Magazine. Kelly is currently writing a memoir. Yeah, and you can find her, if you guys haven't read or discovered The Sober Senorita, you can find her on her website, which is SoberSenorita.com, on Facebook, The Sober Senorita. And on Instagram, the Sober Senorita, the same name. And uh, she is awesome. And she is going to be promoting some um, things at the very end of the podcast. But I thought I'd just say them up front. She's doing a free um, Sober Summer Challenge that she's created. And she's been hosting monthly She Recovers Sharing Circles down in Cape Coral. So um, we get to talk to her about her journey and um, all the fun things that she's creating and um, yeah, how, how all of those things intersected, how she started her blog, how she was down in Mexico, and um, we get into all of it. Mm-hmm. Yes, you guys, if you don't already love Kelly, you're going to love her after this. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Hi, thank you. Glad Good to be morning. here. Good morning. Good morning. Where are you talking to us from, Kelly, so our listeners know? I am located in Cape Coral, Florida. That's on the southwest coast of Florida. And how close are you to um, where She Recovers is going to have their big uh, to-do in 2020 in Miami? How far so away is Miami that? is on the other coast, on the east coast. So about mm-hmm. two hours driving like straight across the state on this road that's actually called Alligator Alley, if you can believe that. <laughs> No, really? (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of how you get from the south, the southwest coast to the southeast coast, and and vice versa. That's fantastic. So you'll just be able to hop in the car. Yes, yes, that'll be nice. Oh, that will be cool. Because we didn't see you at LA, right? You didn't go to the LA one, right? Right. I wish I could have, but I just couldn't swing it financially. But it looked awesome. It was yeah, fun, I was in the same boat. I tell you what, I had to move mountains to make that happen, but yeah. I totally get it. But yeah. this one, you, you're just, it's like in your backyard. So. Yes. Yeah. That will be nice for me. I'm excited. Yeah. And I got to meet you for the first time at She Recovers in New York. Yeah. What a year before that or a year and a half before that. And you yeah. were like on a blogger p- panel, right? That we kind of went in and got to meet and greet and say hi before everything started. Yes. Yes, I was. That was awesome too. Yeah, that was fun. I was so anxious and nervous to be there. And that was kind of a nice soft entry because it was all the people that, you know, I've been following online. And then we got to just chat for a few minutes and kind of break the ice. And yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. And I met so many people that I only knew online in real life. So that was so cool. And a lot of fans of mine that were following my blog, which was just like surreal and crazy and awesome at the same time too. Yeah, So it was cool. It was fun. Well, we usually start off the show with asking um, our guests, you know, to kind of tell us, you know, how you came to the decision to quit drinking. We'll start there and then we have so much we want to talk to you about. So would you mind sharing with our listeners how you came to that decision? Sure. Um, Okay. So, I mean, I'm from the suburbs of Philadelphia. Uh, I grew up there and 
went to college in central Pennsylvania and kind of drank since high school on and off. In college, I really went into the binge drinking scene and became what I call a party girl and hosted all the parties and was at all the parties and everybody wanted me at their parties. And it's kind of really how I formed my identity in college. And that's when my drinking became problematic. I started to black out. Um, I started to wake up places where I didn't know where I was and with people who I didn't know um, and kind of really getting those negative consequences from drinking. And then I drank more to kind of get rid of that shame and guilt around drinking. And it just became a normal part of my almost everyday life at that point. Um, so after college, I was looking for what my next move was. And I definitely didn't want to be at a nine to five desk job um, in an office somewhere, kind of counting down the minutes till I got out. So I came up with a plan to do something fun after college uh, when I graduated, which was in December of 2007, which was moving to Mexico. And um, I got that idea because I went on spring break um, in college several times, like many, many people do. And the companies that sold the spring break trips there at my college, um, they send people to work on site in these exotic locations like Cancun, Acapulco, Panama City Beach, Florida, Punta Cana. Um, they send people there to work to pick up the students that, that book these trips and kind of take them to the parties and just make sure their trips run smoothly. And I saw these people doing that when I went on spring break in college, um, working and like living the life and getting paid basically to party. And I thought, I wanna do that. And I thought it was the perfect time after graduating because I was graduating in December um, that spring break was just around the corner. So I applied to do that job, um, which the title of it was like on-site resort staff. Um, and so one of those companies hired me. I got to try to pick which place I wanted to go to first. And I picked Acapulco because I had been there on spring break. However, at the last minute, they changed me to Cancun because they needed some more people there. And that's where I ended up getting sent. And Cancun just opened up a whole new world of partying for me. And I started trying drugs I had never tried before. I started drinking more, started you know, hanging out with more strangers. I didn't know anybody when I went there. Um, and at the time, it was really fun. And honestly, exactly what I was looking for at that time. But it became um, destructive and worse for me and my, my addiction. So eventually I decided to live there full time and the drinking continued. Uh, I started using cocaine on a regular basis. Um, and you know, all the things that came along with those, those drugs, like self-loathing, um, putting myself in dangerous situations with men I didn't really know, um, being unsafe, uh, and just not really caring about much. I, my life didn't really have much direction. I felt like at that time that I was living my life to the fullest and YOLO and you only live once and like thinking everything was so glamorous. But in reality, inside, I was hating it, hating myself, hating my life. Um, just caught up with emotions about what I was doing, where I was going, and feeling lost, all of these things. Um, so I, I spent a, quite an, uh, almost four or five years there, and I started dating my now husband, Fernando, and uh, when I started dating him, I was at my worst, I would say. I was like skinny, I was doing cocaine almost every day, drinking all throughout the week and the weekends. I almost lost my job. 
uh, at one point because I just couldn't get up to go to work. Um, I ended up quitting before I got fired. But um, I met him and he also liked to party, but um, he kind of had a better sense than me and that he could like put it down when he wanted to. And it didn't take him long to figure out that you know, I couldn't control my alcohol intake and that I was in this destructive cycle. Um, and he brought it up to me pretty soon into our relationship. And we fought about it a lot. It was like our whole first six months of our relationship was kind of like me being like, well, I don't even know why this guy likes me because like I'm promiscuous. I'm doing whatever I want. I like fuck him. I don't want a relationship. And he just like for some reason cared about me and wanted me to be safe and wanted to take care of me. Um, so that was going on. And then mm. he was bringing up the fact that, you know, my drinking was dangerous and there were, that he was worried about me and that he didn't want me doing those things. And so I kind of like, he planted that seed in my head. And then, um, I did try for my whole last year of drinking. Um, I tried to like moderate. I tried to, I, d I didn't go out as much as I had previously been go going out. I actually stopped using cocaine a month before I stopped drinking. Um, and that was all due to him, like, kind of like always on my back, like, Hey, you shouldn't be doing that. Hey, you look at all these negative consequences you're having, et cetera. And when it finally came to a head in 2013, it was because, um, him and I were living together. We were getting serious. I was really like in love with him at this point and coming to terms with my feelings for him and grappling with the drinking stuff. Um, and I had scheduled a trip with some of my friends actually from Philly to go to Punta Cana um, for a bachelorette party for one of them. The, one of my best friends was getting married and they organized this trip. So I was going to fly from Cancun to Punta Cana to meet them. And we were going to have like an all-inclusive weekend. It was actually over Cinco de Mayo um, and have fun and just celebrate her. Of course, my friends had really had no idea how destructive my drinking patterns were. And um, my then boyfriend, Fernando, was like, I don't want you going on this trip. You're going to like get out of control. Something bad's going to happen. I'm worried about you. So we were fighting about that. And I kind of was like, well, like, what am I going to do? Go and not drink? Like, I can't do that. That's crazy. Um, people yeah, will that, ask questions. Yeah, that seems so foreign, right? You're like, yeah. that's just not an option. Right, exactly. Yeah. And it just seemed so weird to me. And I was like, well, I, can't, I, ha I felt like I had to. And I just, you know, promised him like, I'll be fine. Like, I'll text you every hour to make sure you know I'm okay. And like, I promise I'll, I'll get this under control and I can make it work. So I like had been promising him and like for like months beforehand, I think the whole month before I went on that trip, I was like not blacking out. I wasn't drinking that much. And then literally like two weeks before the trip, I had a night where I blacked out and he had to take care of me. And he like, I like projectile vomited in a nightclub and he had to carry me out. And it was just mm -hmm. like horrible. And that was after a good period of time of not getting like that. So it kind of was like, I felt like I was back at square one. Yeah. He was even more mad, et cetera. And it went on. And so I went on this trip and like the first day, um, I was, I remember everything. I drank some, I had fun with my friends and I like text him like, everything's fine. I'm having fun. It's great. Day two, um, we drank all day and I ended up of course blacking out, not remembering really what happened. My friends told me later again, they had to help me cause I like puked in the bathroom in the hotel room that we were all sharing, which is like super embarrassing. And they had to help hmm. clean up and, you know, um, I obviously was a no 
capacity to text Fur and tell him what was going on or that I was alive or okay in any way. So he knew like the following morning when he hadn't heard from me for like 10 hours that I had blacked out, which is exactly what I said I wasn't going to do. Yeah. Um, and so he just kind of like broke up with me via text at that point. And he was like, well, I'm like, I'm done with this. I'm done taking care of you. Like, I can't do it anymore. Like you told me you weren't going to do this and you did. Um, and kind of like broke it off while I'm in another country. And mm. so, you know, I, that last day and a half there, I was just like crying and like a sob story to my friends. Like my boyfriend's breaking up with me. I can't figure out my life. And of course I continued to drink that last like day there. Um, and just feeling like overall crap. Cause I, I was like paranoid that I had ruined this trip for my friends. I fucked up another relationship, which wasn't my first time fucking up a relationship because of drinking. Um, so I just felt like total crap. And in the airport on the way back to Cancun, I was crying my eyes out again, which is, was not weird for me to do like being hungover or the day after drinking. And I like called my mom and I was like, mom, I just, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, I can't figure this out. Like, what the hell, what is wrong with me? Like, why do I keep doing this? And she was like, well, there's nothing wrong with you, Kel. Like you're an alcoholic. Um, and those were like the words I like dreaded hearing and didn't want to hear. And kind of like deep down inside knew that there was truth to it and had known for a long time. Yeah. And I just like felt at this time that I had to, to do something like that whole last year I had been trying to like moderate, trying not to black out, trying to find that happy medium where I could drink just enough and have fun and like socialize and be quote unquote normal <clears throat> and not have all these problems. And I just couldn't figure it out. So at that point in time, I was just like, I'm, I'm just done with this. I was, I was honestly so mad at alcohol. I was like, fuck alcohol. I'm done. So I just made a pact to myself. I was like, I'm just going to not drink for right now. I didn't know how long that would be. I didn't know. I didn't know that I was getting sober when I made that pact to myself in the airport, mm -hmm. but that's what it turned out to be. And I'm really glad that it ended up like that um, because it's the best decision I've ever made. Um, Kelly, was there a reason your mom knew to say that to you? I mean, do you have oh. alcoholism in your family? Yes. Yes. Um, yes. My, um, grew up with alcoholism in my home and my mom was very familiar with the symptoms and characteristics of it. And she had been watching me for years kind of go down into this self-destructive spiral. Um, she honestly had never judged me or said like, you have to do this, you have to stop, you have to do that. She had only ever just provided support and kind of like these words that I already knew to be true. And so I, I, I really thank her for that. And I know it must, and we talk about it now. It was like one of the hardest things that she's ever had to do is like kind of like, let me go to Mexico, number one, and just like without mm -hmm. having any say and kind of like she knew what I was doing there. Yeah, I don't know if anybody would choose that job, right? Unless <laughs> yeah. you wanted, you're purposely putting yourself as close to alcohol as you can possibly be, you know, because you're just right. like this, I get paid to party. I mean, right. I've been to Mexico lots of times and yeah. it, exactly. you know, I always woke up in some strange place. I've almost missed flights, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I, I definitely believe that everyone that I worked with and applied for that job as well, was, was looking to drink and party too. Yeah, right. 
Well, so as you're doing this, Kelly, as you make this decision in the airport that day, you make this pact with yourself and you have this talk with your mom. Um, for, for, for our listeners that are listening that are our listeners are, oh, I can't even talk this morning. <laughs> for, for our listeners, um, what were your next steps like in the early days? And, and we're going to take the evolution of where you're at now. But in the early days, like what did you do to help yourself? Sure. Because it's really hard if you were drinking at that level. Um, and then to just stop, like that's hard. That's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Um, so in the first few days, I kind of like reached out to some friends actually a friend's mom who I knew was sober um, and went to 12 step meetings. I reached out to her first cause I just knew that she was a loving and supportive person and <clears throat> I was, she would be open to like talking with me. Um, so I reached out to her and a few other people that I knew who were sober and just kind of like asked them like how they did it or if they had advice for me. Um, one girl who was kind of like my same age um, and lived in Cancun, a Mexican girl, we used to party together and she had like left the party scene and she was going to 12 step meetings at that time when I quit. And I didn't really know until I like reached out to her and she offered actually to take me to a, to a 12 step meeting. However, I declined cause I was scared and the meetings were in Spanish and she actually gave me um, the living sober book which was mm -hmm. awesome. Um, so I kind of like put my feelers out and I asked people that I knew that were already doing it, um, what they were doing. I also like Googled a, a lot about sobriety and addiction, um, and alcohol use disorder and read a ton of like different kinds of websites and blogs. And I found actually Veronica Valley, uh, was one of the first people mm -hmm. I read her book why you drink and how to stop. Well, that was one of the first things I read when I quit and that helped a lot in her website. Cause it's, you're pretty alone. Right. Yeah. And, and look, but look at how I think it's so beautiful. And I think that's the thing, the message I hope people are hearing, like you have to like take it matters into your own hands, just like you did your drinking research, the shit out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. If yeah. that's where you are at the beginning, like, how can I, how can I figure out a way? I mean, because it, the 12 step was not my way in. Mm -hmm. um, you know, doing an elimination diet was kind of my way in. And then I fumbled around and exercised and did things, but always, you know, searching the website, searching the web. And, and Sandra and I talked about this. I think Sandra can share as well, but you were one of the, one of the first blogs that I read and we'll, we can get to that. But I was, I'm curious, how, how did you come to that, to writing about your experience? That's awesome. Um, so how did I come to writing? So writing, as we talk about creativity, I'm sure we will get into that more later. I, I've always loved writing. It has always been like a thing that I'd like to do growing up. Um, and in college, I always preferred writing papers to so like taking tests and that kind of stuff. Um, but so living in Cancun, when I was, I had a few friends who had blogs and they were normally like, American or Canadian or Australian women living in Cancun and their premise of their blog was like living abroad and in Mexico and being a foreigner and just like what they would do and traveling around and like living in another country and that kind of premise. Um, so I got sober and eight months into my sobriety, I started working at, well, actually before that, but I started working for a group of hotels called Sunset um, World Hotel Group. And what I was doing there was social media management, um, editing their websites and writing blogs for the, the hotels. So travel blogs and stuff. So 
I was already doing it for work. And a lot of my coworkers were like, oh, you're like, your blogs are so good. And they're, they're so catchy. And you're really good at that. Um, why don't you start your own blog? And I was like, oh, I guess I could like start my own. And I had these friends who had their own. Um, so I was like, sure. Yeah. Like that sounds fun. And now that I'm sober, I have like more time on my hands. Um, so I, I at first was like, what would be cool if I could incorporate being sober with like this blog that I want to create about like living abroad in Mexico. So I was trying to think of a catchy name. And actually my sister is the one who came up with sober senorita. And I was like, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. It is perfect. It is yeah. really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was, that was awesome. And thanks to her, um, I had that name and I was like, perfect. So I started the blog, like a free WordPress blog, um, not thinking that it would ever like turn into anything that people would like want to read or like, I never had any like vision for it. I just was like, Oh, I'll just start this blog. It'll be fun. Um, and something to do. And my first like several posts were kind of just about like, living in Mexico and like what I would do on the weekends and different festivals I would go to and things I would do and travel things. And it, and I think I wrote one about going to a wine and food festival and not drinking there. I, I casually like mentioned that they had mocktails and I appreciated that, but I never like addressed why I was sober or why my blog was called Sober Senorita until my one year blog that went crazy viral. Right. So that, so, so the, the, the essay that you wrote was after you had reached a year, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I've, I've told you this story. I'm not sure how many times I've, 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 um, I, because other probably because, you know, there's so little fact, um, that lead to quit drinking, right? Right. And um, so many little like hints and clues, and and we only really see them when in hindsight, usually. Um, but I, so I was on vacation um, in 2014, and it was just with my family. And I told this part of the story. I drank like I care carted this box of wine around with me the whole time I was on vacation with my family and my husband was just like rolling his eyes at me the entire time. But at one point I had gotten some Wi-Fi and I was just poking around. I don't even know how I found your essay, Kelly, except that Mm -hmm. maybe it was like a Huffington Post thing or, you know, like it had, it was viral, viral, right? Yes. And so I clicked on it because I was so, I, I, I never would want any, like I would never Google sobriety or I never took those alcohol, am I an alcoholic test? I never Googled it because I felt like somebody would like search my history or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like call me out, uh, you know. Uh, Paranoid much? You are, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. You yeah, are curious about this, you know, yeah. so. Uh, I, you know, I felt like it would be some kind of insight to my, you know, my questioning my drinking. So anyway, I read your essay and I, you know, and we have a quite a bit of an age difference, but I so identified with you and the part and being in Mexico and the party girl, because that, that was me. I mean, that was still me at 44, you know, which is mm-hmm. kind of sad. Um, it was still me, but it was really me in my twenties too. I completely, I 
identified with you as a as the writer of that essay and i thought oh my god i could quit drinking for a year because and probably the way i read it too was and, and maybe you meant to write it this way that you you had given your you know you had given yourself a year to quit drink, like you made a goal of a year and you reached the goal mm -hmm. and you know, you, you wanted to continue to stay sober, but you weren't sure about that until you reached the year goal. Am I remembering that right? I haven't read yes. that essay. I pardon me in a while. Um, so gosh, probably since I read it that, that time in 2014. Yeah, that's but, completely correct. Yeah. So I thought, I mean, you totally inspired me, Kelly, because I was like, Oh my God, I could quit drinking for a year huh? Like that never occurred to me until that moment. Mm. And it was like, okay. You know? And so of course I continued drinking my giant box of my stupid box of wine, um, that week. And then, you know, went to one last party when I got home and was so disgusted and miserable with myself that I woke up going, okay, a year, I could do anything for a year. I'm a grown ass woman. Mm -hmm. And and so anyway, thank you for writing that. And I, you know, and I know you didn't write it with the intention of it going viral, but isn't that, and I'm now there's so much stuff on the internet, but back then there wasn't. No, there wasn't. Right. Thank there you. wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I so happy that it, it inspired you. That makes me really happy. It seems so um, outrageous. <laughs> you yeah. know, when I was searching in the middle of the night, when I was waking up at two o'clock in the morning and looking for just any signs of somebody that had a life. Um, I had found um, Aiden Donnelly Rowley. She had, she had written a, a, a blog series called A Year Without Wine. And I was reading it in real time um, when I did get sober, Kelly. Mm -hmm. And then when she got to the end of her year, she went back out and drank. And I was devastated. <laughs> a year mark. I'm like, and that's why I was desperately trying to find other people too. Like, I want to know the success stories. I want to, I appreciate the people recovering out loud. And I watched a documentary called We Are Not Anonymous. Yes. And I was like, I need more of this in my life. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to meet and read and support and get to know um, people like you, Kelly. You know? And so when we were all in the secret Facebook group for, um, home, it was like, it was so awesome how we all found one another. It was so beautiful, you know, and, um, that, and then it brings yeah. us here today and, and seeing what everybody's been doing since their sobriety. Um, how old were you, Kelly, when you stopped drinking? 27. 27. Wow. Yeah. That's when I started really drinking. Yeah. Oh, I, I, so and it's lucky. amazing. And it's funny that you said that Sandra about kind of there not being so much stuff on the internet back then. And I agree. It's kind of like, why I wrote the post a little bit, not that I thought it was going to go viral, but just that like, I was like, wow, I, when I stopped drinking, I was like, I also searched for someone that looked like me and, and talked like me and kind of had my experience. Like I wanted there to be someone still having fun and be, and being young and like out there traveling and doing fun things, but doing these fun things sober. And I didn't really see much of that. Um, no, you're right. Yeah. Because you would see some, some, you would see articles or, or stories about people that were, had suffered severe consequences. Like, yes. you know, I, I, you know, got into a horrible car accident, you know, and, and years of, you know, 
litigation from Uh a DUI and now I'm sober. You know, you would hear stories like that, but it was never, um, you, you like offered a a possibility, I think like this is possible for you. And like, you know, like I said, even it's, it, I felt that possibility as a 40, you know, 45 year old woman. And there were, there were not, there are not, were not that many stories like that at the time at all. Yeah. And then, and so one of the things I said was like, okay, well, if I have to quit drinking, like I'm going to make this look cool. Like I want it to be fun and I want to be like, you know, still me, still Kelly, still like, I always had this wild like party girl persona and like, I didn't want to like lose the core of that just because I didn't drink anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, we are essentially the same people, right? right? I mean, a lot of things change, but, but you know, if you are a person that likes to be out in the world and have a good time, that usually that, that, you know, not all of that has to change. Right. And we just find different ways, you know, to have fun. And it's just, it's, it's just a, a process of evolving and, and becoming who you really are. Cause I mean, I just think partying was something I hid behind. Yeah, I always think we have to like channel our powers for good once we're sober, you know what I mean? Because I think we're super powerful and I think sometimes the anxiety or the things um, that we used to treat with alcohol, um, you know, they're still there. We can just feel them so much now, but when we can try to channel it. um, And I feel like that's what you did. Hey, Unruffled listeners, just popping in mid-show to remind you about our Patreon fundraising campaign. To date, we have produced almost two years worth of content and have over half a million downloads. We can hardly believe it. If you like what you've been hearing and appreciate our weekly consistency, you can be a patron of this show for as little as a dollar an episode. To donate, please go to patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. Thank you for your continued support of the show. Now back to it. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Help me frame the the timeline. Mm -hmm. You did 12 step for a while, right? Did that mm-hmm. help you? And then how long did you do it? Yeah. So I, I actually first tried 12 step meetings online because I was in Cancun. Mm. I had this friend, she only knew of like Spanish speaking meetings. And I, I, I know now that there are definitely English speaking meetings in Cancun. I just was kind of using it as an excuse not to go. Ah. Um, and so I found that there were like chat rooms of like 12 step meetings online they were like really old school like chat room where people have like screen (laughs) names and stuff Mm -hmm. this was in 2013 but um so I tried that a little bit but like in the chat rooms it was like all 12 steps speak and I didn't know anything about anything at that time I didn't have a big book I didn't like know anything so I kind of felt like well this doesn't really make sense to me so I did like the online meetings for a few weeks and then I was kind of like I don't think it's really like helping me so then after um, I reached one year sober, Burr and I actually moved to Florida where we live now in Cape Coral. Um, we decided to leave Cancun and come here. And one of my blog readers actually reached out because I had you know, posted about moving and she's like, oh, I live in Cape Coral. Um, so if you, I, she's like, I know you don't go to 12 step meetings, but if you ever want to try it out, and go to like a face-to-face meeting, let me know. We can go together. I have like a really good women's group here. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you would like it. So I was like, okay, awesome. Yeah. I was like at that point down to try anything. 
And I was like, sure, why not? So I met up with my blog reader friend and she took me to my first like face-to-face 12 cent meeting here in Cape Coral. Um, and I went for almost two years hmm. and it helped a lot. Like I got a sponsor. Um, I went through the 12 steps two or three different times um, with the, in different ways. And I had sponsored one girl. Um, and yeah, and then I kind of, it just kind of fizzled out mm-hmm. after a while. And then did you transition? Like, I know um, CrossFit came into your life and I know you've mm-hmm. written about that. Did that become your quote unquote AA? Was that a way that you channeled your energies or your spiritual practices or? Yeah. You know, I never really thought of it like that until you just, you're just saying it right now. Mm-hmm. And that's it, like pretty much exactly like what happened. Mm-hmm. I started getting super into CrossFit and honestly, one of the 12 step meetings I used to go to was on Saturday mornings. And now I work out at that time every Saturday morning. So yeah, yeah it was kind of like that. I was, I spent most of my time doing CrossFit instead. Um, and there were like more people my age, um, obviously not all of them are sober, but, um, kind of like just creating a new community within my CrossFit friends. And yeah, I got more involved. I now work for my gym part time and I find a lot of joy in helping people there and kind of being a part of that community and bringing in new people, um, and even uh, helping some people find recovery there. Um, so it, yeah, it's multifaceted. It. I like well, and I think the key word to all of that is community, you know, and, and, um, you know, not to, not to disparage 12 step or not, you know, say that it doesn't, you know, have a specific benefit for some people, but, you know, finding your community wherever that might be is uh, so key, so important. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, the 12 step, it was, it, I think I needed it at that time. Um, and I learned so much and a lot of the stuff I learned, I still use today and think about and have replaying in my head and, and some things that I didn't like. So I think it served a purpose for me for sure. And it's definitely something I still recommend to people who are just starting out and might need more uh, support or need somewhere to go in person right now or every day until they like get on course with their recovery. So it's definitely a great resource. Yeah. I think that whole um, phrase of like, take what you want and leave the rest. I, I think that's so important. And as, as I go through my sobriety too, like I ebb and flow with how much it resonates with me. Um, but I kind of, for me and my personality type, um, I respond to it. I I do like that there's this linear kind of, I mean, I know it's not linear, it's circular, but just that there's 12 steps and there's kind of a system of how things work and that there's always meetings. I can go get somebody else's perspective. Sometimes it pisses me off. (laughs) Sometimes it um, inspires me. Sometimes it makes me sad. Sometimes uh, it fills me up or I can be of service. So I use it however I need to that day, you know, and, yeah. and kind of, and kind of push off from them there. Sometimes I talk to Sandra after meetings or Natalie and try to like, um, you know, if I've had a rough one or something, you know, I'll just try to, um, of course, not talking about anybody in the rooms, but just talk about how I feel. Right. And again, reaching out community. I think that's what we've all successfully done here in sobriety is like create our own communities. And um, that's what I want to talk to you about with your friendship with Carly. Yeah. Harley Benson. And how, how did you guys come to know one another? Um, another one of my online friends, she actually reached out to me on my 
sober senorita Facebook page and had been following my blog and she's like, Oh, I, I'm in, I'm sobriety. I'm sober. Excuse me too. And I also live in Southwest Florida. So she was living in Naples at the time. She currently lives in Las Vegas, mm -hmm. um, but she's from Naples, which is close to where I live in Cape Coral. Um, and she suggested we go to lunch and talk about sobriety and meet up. And we did, and it was awesome. And we clicked instantly and, I just remember one of our first conversations, I was in this job that was like just wearing on me and like I wasn't getting along with my boss and I wasn't being paid enough. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And she's like, I think you should quit. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And she just was like a great advice for her. And like I right away, I knew that we were going to be friends and like do stuff together. So how far into sobriety were you when you met Carly? I think I was two years into sobriety. Okay. And you just celebrated six years, right? Yes. At the beginning of the month. Mm -hmm. um, so you guys wrote an ebook together? Mm -hmm. Yes. And then you guys have a, excuse me, a Bloom community. Yes. Is that still we, happening? Um, we actually just closed the Bloom community um, about a month or two ago because we had a, a high turnover rate mm. for our people. And we were kind of like, we're like, okay, let's step back and, and see how better we can serve them and kind of offer something where people feel like they want to stay in and stay connected and kind of grow the community in a better way. So we're kind of like, we took a step back from it right now. We're not accepting new people. Um, so we're kind of deciding what to do with it. We've actually talked about taking our video classes from that and kind of selling it as one product um, mm. instead of having it be an ongoing class and community. So yeah, we're, that is transitioning right now. That's right. really cool though, because now you have all this content or whatever, yes. you can repackage it. It's right, all, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like working smarter, not harder, right? Like right. just like we can figure out since you, yeah, having content is, is so important. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we want it to serve people in the best way possible. So we're just kind of figuring out what way that is. Well, again, you guys have created a community, which is, is so um, something that I'm really drawn to. I feel like I've always needed that. And I was trying to always search and find it in churches. And like, that's why I got baptized a lot. Like I was trying to fit in and belong right. to different churches. And then I just realized that like, maybe this has always been the path and the community yeah. that I was seeking. Um, okay. So Bloom, you guys started a podcast as well. Yes. And that and one's also on a break. Okay. Well, what's the name of it? So people can regroup, regroup podcast. Yeah. The, the episodes are still up there. Great. Um, but we also kind of were trying to figure out the direction with that one. And we also both got busy doing our other own projects. So we kind of took a break from that one as well. And it was also an added expense for both of us. And we were just yeah. weren't willing to like stay committed to it because of that at this time. Either. Right. Well, an expense can be the time expense, Yeah. you know, yeah. not necessarily monetarily, but yeah, I totally understand that. And you, yeah. you know, the fact that, that you just are, just seem resilient, you know, you can like take a look at things and, and, you know, and well, it's called regroup. Re so regroup yeah. <laughs> yes. and regroup practicing what we preach. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I feel like I've been doing a lot of that lately and, you know, none of the stuff is like etched in stone. We kind of were just like learning as we go and figuring out what the best path is for all of us and where we're best, we can best serve people that want to get sober. So that's the ultimate goal. 
I love that. Well, it's fun, like, because I, you know, kind of stalked Sandra before we became friends a little bit, you know, and I want, I knew I wanted what she had. Yeah. Um, and I just love like seeing the women in our community pairing up, you know, like Jolene yes. doing their podcast and pairing up and, and you and Carly and your, and your endeavors together. And, um, you know, that was all, I think for me, very much inspired by Holly and Laura too, when they were doing the yes. podcast and seeing, um, you know, bringing a community together and talking about a solution and talking about recovery out loud. Like I loved it. All of it. I still do. Yeah, me too. (laughs) And it's wonderful that there's so many resources now. I think using our word, everything is blooming into, Mm -hmm. you know, so many different resources. And I don't think it's too many because I think we need the addiction recovery community needs as many pathways to help people. As many pathways and as many voices. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Because, because not, not everybody's going to, you know, we, we, everybody's going to find their, their personal way in. Well, I want to, exactly. I wanted to ask you, Kelly, because I know you've shared this um, in a blog post, and I was wondering, you started working with Anna David um, Mm -hmm. and doing and taking like a writing course with her, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that and then tell us about your book deal and maybe go into like what's been going on with that and how you've been feeling and maybe start with how working with Anna first? Yes. So um, she presented her first writing a book proposal course. writing issues. I think it was called at that time. I know she switched the name a few times. I'm probably not getting the current name of her writing course correct at this time, but it was the first one that I went into. And actually it was right after I got married and I like got home from the wedding and I saw that she was promoting this, like learn how to write a book proposal. And um, writing a book had always been on my radar um, since like my blog kind of blew up and got popular. And my my followers have been asking me for years, like, are you going to write a book? Write a, write a book about your life. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, is this what the people want? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then I was like, I could totally do it. Like I write blogs all the time, you know, and my life is like a crazy stories, like dating back from forever. So it would, you know, be perfect for a memoir. Um, So then it became more realistic. And then this, Dana David promoted this book proposal course came about and I was like, okay, perfect. I want to snatch this up. And it was like the perfect time because getting back from the wedding and looking for like the next thing I wanted to do. So I I signed up um, and it was a writing course and she gave us different modules to work on every week and we had calls and we had like a Facebook community where everyone was writing their own book proposals. So we got to share with our other uh, classmates. So it was cool. And so she broke it down, which I loved and how to write the book proposal into different sections, um, like the marketing section, your bio section, kind of like selling yourself to an agent or a publisher and then um, sample chapters and like the outline of your book. So it really helped me like flush out what the book was going to look like and um, throwing around and like making it more real and so I you know graduated that class and had like a full-on book proposal which was awesome I was feeling like really motivated to like then find an agent which is the next step um and then an agent sells your book proposal or your book to a publishing house because so, hold, hold on one second because you yeah. don't I mean for me before I went to some writing workshops I always thought you had to have a book before you 
took it to a, an agent, but you really just need the book proposal, right? The idea, right. the concept yeah. and some sample chapters. Right. Exactly. People who are listening. It's like you, you, so to learn how to do that is really key. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I've kind of had that same thought. I was like, well, I have to write the whole book and, and that's not necessarily the case. So that's, so that's cool. And it was a good learning process. Um, so I began, and then also she gave us tools on how to like query agents and kind of like different websites that she uses or ha has had people use to find agents and kind of like reach out and what is called querying and like sending them emails uh, and like asking if they want to represent you, whatever. So I kind of started like dabbling in that, and, like looking at these websites and like sent a few emails to query agents. Um, and then one day I got an email um, from a publishing house that was located in the UK. It was called Passageway Press. And they were like, have you ever thought about writing a book where we see that your blog has done really well and that um, you have a good following and we specialize in helping bloggers turn their blogs into books, basically. Um, like, are you interested? And I was like, what? This is crazy. <laughs> like, um, I was like, is this real? And I had to like, you know, vet this uh, website and I wrote back immediately and like, kind of like, we asked more questions. And then I, I was like, well, actually, like, I have thought about writing a book and I have this full book proposal to send you. And they were like, perfect. So they, I sent them what my book proposal. That's awesome. I know it was crazy. It was literally like a month or two after. And, um, I sent it over and they loved it and they were like, okay, let's, let's do it. If you're interested, we'd love to publish your book. So this was like without an agent, um, and just straight to the publishing house. And they were like a, a boutique publisher is what they call them, like a small publishing house. Um, so then I had to, I felt like I had to do a lot of research on like small publishing houses versus large publishing houses and like a, getting a small advance versus a large advance and like all the pros and cons. So I was like feverishly Googling and like, should I take this deal? And I actually reached out to Anna and asked her advice. I was like, I have this, these people that are want to publish my book and they like my proposal. And, um, I like did all the research and then finally I was like, okay, I think I'm going to do it. So I like signed the contract and we picked like a, a deadline to have the book done by and stuff. And it was all very real. Mm -hmm. um, and I was excited. And then I was like, okay, like, should I tell people I got this book deal? Right. Um, like, do you tell people or do you wait until like, it's all done in case like something happens? And I, I even asked my publisher, like, do people normally like announce this? Or do they wait? And they're like, oh, everybody does what, you know, everything different. And actually I had also reached out to the, the different authors that were on their website that they had already published their books to see how their experience was. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. Um, so I went with it and I like started writing my book and, you know, I went on and on. I got, I got 11 out of 14 chapters done. Wow. Yeah. And then like literally weeks before a week or two before my deadline, I got an email from the publisher saying they could no longer publish my book. Um, so they, they were going out of business. Oh my <laughs> God. Now had they given you an advance? Um, they, I had signed the contract for the advance, but I didn't get the advance until I turned in my first draft, which I hadn't done. 
Oh, got it. So, so okay. So you had just been doing all this work for nothing. Yes. I mean, not yes. for nothing. It's nothing right. for nothing, but like nothing. at the same time, <laughs> you like nothing now, but yeah. yeah. Right. They hadn't um, given you an advance and I, oh, God, oh, what a mess. Yeah. It was, it was heartbreaking, honestly. Um, so like I had an, I waited, so the, I got the deal in like, I want to say March or February. I waited till even tell anybody like publicly on my social media until June or May. I think I, I announced it with my five years uh, sober post. Mm -hmm. So it was May. And then my deadline was like at the end of September. And then that's when like, it was no more. And I was like, damn it. Mm. First of all, I was heartbroken. I mean, I still kind of am. Yeah. So it has taken, I mean, here we are like months later and I kind of, been procrastinating on finding like another agent or publisher to do my book because I just was like trying to like let myself grieve and deal with how, like literally thinking I achieved one of my dreams and then having it like taken out from under me. Right. <laughs> well, later. that yeah, that really does take the wind out of your sails. And, mm-hmm. you know, I know that it's, it's easy to spiritually bypass it and go, but yeah. Rejection is your biggest protector, Kelly. Oh God, yeah. Better is out there for you, but at the same time, yeah, you can't help but feel like a gut punch. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. I mean, I I was really upset. Yeah, I mean, I totally get that. I mean, I am like, I am an eternal optimist. You know, like borderline magical thinker. I enter that territory all the time and it's, it's not really good. Although it keeps me, keeps me moving, but, but I get that. I, you know, whenever I have points of, of feeling that way, it it just kind of forces me to stop and think, you know, okay, Sandra, what if this is as good as it gets? Like right now, today, Mm -hmm. what if this is as good as it gets? Well, I, will I still be okay? And will I still be sober, you know? And, and, um, but I totally get that. I mean, I go through periods of not really, I mean, I guess we all have, questions of self-worth and all that. But um, most of the time, my feelings are more of feeling irrelevant, you know, like nobody cares what I do or my voice is just one among thousands and thousands of voices and, you know, and, and I'm irrelevant. Nobody, you know, nobody wants or needs to hear my voice. Right. And it's hard to keep going um, sometimes and, you know, and wake up the next morning and, and get back in the game. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, for me, I guess it, I re- was relying on it as a part of like my career path. Sure. And I, like in 2017, I got laid off from my full-time job and I had been freelancing and like working these part-time jobs. And then the book came about and I was like, okay, I'm not going to like look for a full-time gig right now because I have this impending deadline. It's very soon. And I'm going to do this book and this is going to be my number one priority. So I kind of said no to a lot of things, um, including money and other like job opportunities. So that kind of made me upset as well. Cause I kind of like positioned my life to like make this work and try to get this done and in hopes that, you know, it would be done in be paying off in the end and it would be like this goal that I achieved. Um, 
so I was upset about that part of it too. And now I've kind of found like, okay, like what's my next move as far as like a career. And I mean, I, I definitely still want to publish my book in some way. I would love for an agent to represent me and then um, sell it to a publishing house. That's like, like the ultimate goal. But it's like, I'm now struggling between like priorities. Obviously I need to like um, make ends meet and for my family and like my house and my life and like live. Um, and so I'm just trying to figure out the balance of doing that as well as like doing my book and like, what is the next thing for like my sober singer read a blog and kind of, kind of going from there. Mm, yeah. Well, when you, I wanted to ask really quickly, Kelly, about your process when you were writing. I hope you don't mind that I'm backing up a little bit because I'm just yeah. so intrigued by it. When you were sitting down and writing, um, did you have a schedule for yourself? Did you kind of like clock in, like, I'm going to write today from this time to this time? Was it in fits and starts or did you fit it? How did you, how did you frame that for yourself? Um, it wasn't, I didn't have like a schedule. I tried to keep it to like a number count per day, mm, like okay. whatever was in line with my schedule would be between a thousand words or more a day. Um, and, but normally I would just like block out time, like, okay, I'm going to the library today for three hours and I'm gonna get as much done as I can. Mm -hmm. I kind of just like went somewhere, like whether it's like a coffee shop or like in my office um, or the library, I went a lot there um, to get stuff done that way. And then, <sighs> It's so hard, I feel like writing memoir too, because some of it's painful. Yeah. So I found sometimes I'm like, okay, I just want to get all of this out right now. So I don't have to like really come back to it right now. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I would write like 6,000 words because I just wanted to get like whatever event I was writing about in that chapter over with. Yeah. I get that. And sometimes these memories come back to us. Like I, I have a lot, um, I brain dump onto my phone. I do voice memos on my way to when I go to my 12 step meeting. Good idea. And it's like, it clears my brain before I walk into the rooms, you know, it's like this mm -hmm. little, and I always thought I'd go back and listen to them and maybe transcribe them. And um, I, I don't, but, <laughs> but it's always like, I thought I could use that later on as a, you know, if I wanted to write or for a prompt, that was in the beginning why I did it. And then I just did it because it was a great kind of, uh, mind eraser. <laughs> like it just, yeah. it just like cleared, cleared the decks for me. But I mean, I see your beautiful pool on Instagram. If I was at your house, I would be wanting to be like out there all the time. <laughs> yes. I love it. <laughs> so discipline. It's like, I was just curious how you do that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, of any writer that does that. I'm always curious about their process and how appearing, yeah. like what that takes. I think the library is an important kind of third party neutral place to go, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It doesn't have like my cats annoying me or like, yeah, <laughs> in the I sink agree. or like handsome I, husband. Yeah, right. Exactly. And when he's <laughs> off work, he's always distracting me. Um, <laughs> so it's hard. It's hard. And I like, I, I love my, my home office I have and like my love my house, but it is just sitting sometimes is distracting. So I'm like, Oh, I should do a load of laundry or I should do always. Yeah. It looks dirty or whatever. <laughs> I can be distracted by a bazillion things at home. Same yeah. here. Same here. Well, and, and, um, are you also a recovery coach? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So that's something that. I recently started too. Yeah. Yeah. So actually after I got laid off from my job, I took the recovery coach training. Um, so I'm a certified life and recovery coach and a she recovers coach designate as well. So I have those three certifications. Um, and this year, actually, I kind of really started 
doing it. Like I got certified and then I kind of was like, okay, what, what way am I going to go with this? And then I had mm -hmm. the book stuff. So I kind of put that on the back burner. So this year um, I like started my LLC and I started doing one-on-one -on -one coaching and I have had a number of one-on-one -on -one clients that have been going really well. Um, and it's awesome. I love doing it and I'm really into it. Um, and I, every time I have like a call with a client, I just get off and I'm like, I just feel like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, that's great. That, yeah. 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 Cause that was going to be my other question that you still, I love that you still feel motivated to work in the space. You're just, mm -hmm. you know, you're just willing to try however you're going to do it. And you know, the, the book thing, I, you know, again, I'm going to, I'm going to reframe it to something positive cause that's what I do, but Good. it's going to come back around. That's I'm what sure. I need. It I need is. to reframe. It's going to yeah. come back around. And in the meantime, you're just going to continue to work on your craft. Right. Exactly. And I kind of just kind of been trying to be gentle with myself. Like I just think I needed to be mad and upset and yeah, like free for, sure. for a little while and that's okay. And that kind of was like preventing me from like getting any work done on it right now, but I've really been pouring myself into the recovery coaching part of my life and trying to create something out of that and make it more profitable. And like the one-on-one -on -one is great. I'm not hoping now to do a group coaching program probably by summertime. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, during the She Recovers coaching program, I only know because Natalie Fairbrook has done it. It mm -hmm. takes a lot of time. That is a big investment Mm -hmm. time and what you learn. And then also doing the separate, she recovers coach designation is a whole nother thing. Right. And so that's so awesome. And well, it seems like you really like to set goals, attain them, you know, and that you're open to shifting and like you said, regrouping and taking, you know, where's this going to go next? I think that's amazing. Right. I think that's amazing. Well, and Kelly, I can see you really will attract your audience of, you know, young women in their twenties, women in their twenties who are, who are like, this is a serious problem, but yet I'm only in my twenties. How could I, why I, I can, can't quit drinking forever. You know, it seems like such a, a dilemma to be in. I know that I was in that dilemma in my twenties and I just kept going. Right. Yeah. I hope so. I hope yeah. people will see my work and my writing and, you know, want to create a life that's for them, whatever yeah, that you, might look like, and I can help them get there. And that would be yeah. awesome. Well, you make it look very attractive. Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah, no, you do. And that's what I went to a chip meeting last night, which is like my favorite day of the month. I go to as many chip meetings as I can hit at the end of the month because I get really high from it. <laughs> so yeah. like, look at all this sobriety. But what I noticed, which is really beautiful, which has been happening over the last year or so, the women getting chips are younger and younger and younger. And oh, I love awesome. it. The room is my women's meeting is filling up with all these beautiful women. Um, you know, all women of all ages, of course, it's beautiful when anybody decides to get sober, but it feels, I feel like nostalgic a little bit like, ah, oh, they figured it out and they, yeah. they feel like good for them. Like they, yeah. they're, they're starting this whole new chapter at that age. I wish, I mean, I know it happens how it happens, but I wish I had had any kind of inkling that my drinking was going to progress the way that it did. And right. I'm sure I did. I ignored it. You know, those blackouts where I just thought pass outs and I thought that's how people drank. I didn't know either yeah, <laughs> until I read Sarah Heppel's book and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's a that's something that I, yeah, I love that book do all too. the time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, Callie, this was so great. 
Um, can you tell us about what you're working on now or what you want to promote before we get to our sure. three questions for you? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm available for one-on-one -on -one recovery coaching. If anyone's looking for that on my website, there's more information, SoberSignorita.com. And then coming up this summer, I haven't really announced this too much yet, but I'm going to be um, promoting it more on my social media. I'm just doing a free sober summer challenge. I'm going to start it on the summer solstice, and it's just going to be five weeks only once a week, email and maybe social media prompts. I know a lot of challenges make you post every day and it's super hard to keep up with on mm -hmm. social media. So I was thinking once a week, we get, I sent out an email and maybe it's inspiration and advice and like prompts on how to stay sober for that week during the summer and sharing it on social media so we can all connect about our sober summers. So I'm excited about that. And then I'm doing a She Recovers Sharing Circle, which I'm really excited about, in Cape Coral. So if anybody is local to Southwest Florida, they can join me. And my next circle is on June 9th here at the Center for Spiritual Living in Cape Coral. Oh, very exciting. I, I love that. this sober summer idea. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, I thought I want to do something like light and fun that's not too time demanding for people. Yeah. I envision lots of pictures of you in your cute little bikini with your little <laughs> yeah. mocktails. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You already have me figured out. That might by be her cool. <laughs> by her awesome pool that we're going to sit next to with her someday. We'll just hang out by the pool, lounging, laying yes. on the house. I love it. Well, love like that. Sandra always says, you know, to our guests, you make sobriety look good and oh, thank you. you really do. I appreciate and that. That's the whole attraction, not promotion, right? We see it, right. and, and that's I want what, what women like you have, and that's um, that, that we can do it like this, that we don't have to do it the old way. Right. Like, and then we can take it what we want like and just make yeah. it our own, like Sondra with all her creativity and her business, you with your writing and how you're creating the life that you don't want to escape from and exercise and being healthy. And I love that you guys are sharing it out loud online. Um, sometimes I get in this place where I'm like, is this even worth sharing? Like why it feels like maybe my ego is getting in the way here and mm -hmm. I want to think about that more. And I just remember, I'm so grateful for all of the women who were sharing when I got sober and that still yeah. continue to do that. So I just kind of push on and go, no, this is the way I do it. This is how I, art helps me, you know, stay yeah. in, in, the, in um, sobriety. I love it. You oh. two inspire me too. I love following you guys on social media and it's always a breath of fresh air to see your posts, both of you. Oh, thank you. Are you going to have a hashtag for your sober summer? Is that what it's going to be? Yes. Hashtag sober summer. Oh, so oh, easy. Yeah, I, wanna, I, wanna, I went through a few different ones and I thought this is easy and, and something people will remember and can't forget. So I'll be using that. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, good. Well, thank you, Kelly. Yes. Um, so this is the part of the show where we um, ask our guests to share three tools in their unruffled toolbox um, that help either with creativity or with sobriety or whatever's helping you out lately that you might want to share with our listeners. Yeah. So what you got for us, Kelly? Okay. Well, my number one, probably not surprising to you guys is CrossFit mm -hmm. um, because I love to move my body and it's just a great outlet for my emotions, if I'm feeling any type of way, happy, sad, frustrated, angry, tired, upset, I like to go to CrossFit, I put my phone down, I don't think about anything else for the whole hour that I'm there, I put my body through a good hard workout, um, and I get that natural high from working out, and I get to do it next to people that are awesome and they're, that have the same type of working out goals as me. And um, that really helps me stay sober and just live in the moment um, by moving my body. 
Oh, very good. good. Well, you're so strong. Okay. I see you at those competitions and I look at what you're doing. I'm like, oh, and then I see your hands sometimes when you show pictures of your hands. Oh, yeah. Sometimes they get ripped up in the process. <laughs> <laughs> That's just part of it. That's yeah. okay. They heal. <laughs> okay. So my second one is meditation and also the insight timer apps or they're like one and the same. Um, meditation is something I've really come to depend on in like maybe the last two years, probably since I even left um, AA because I know in 12 step, they kind of ingrained it in you. Like you should be praying and meditating. And I just couldn't like get into it when I was in 12 step. But now that I don't go to those types of meetings, I kind of rely on having a meditation practice. I have a meditation cushion. Um, it's the first thing I do in the morning. And if I can't, for some reason, I make sure I do it before I go to bed and the insight timer app is a free app. I'm sure you guys have heard of it. Um, that has all different kinds of meditations and it has music and it has, um, different types of meditations with different topics. So there's some about recovery, anxiety, depression, any type of way that you might be feeling there's a meditation for it. So I love that. Um, and they're all also different time lengths. So if you only want to meditate for one minute, you can, if it's five minutes, you can, or if you're feeling like you want a, a longer one, they have that. So I love that. It's really helped me out to keep up with my meditation practice um, and it's keep such, me grounded. It's such a good way in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And yeah. there's a timer. Like I just yes. like the part, the fact that there's a timer on it. Yes. Yeah. So that helps too. Yeah. Right. Cause it kind of eases that anxiety that a lot of us get over meditating. Like, Oh my God, I have to sit here for 10 minutes and it's, you know, it's like, Oh, but you know, the timer will go off and then I'll be done. Right. Exactly. And it keeps track and it even keeps like um, a graph of how long you've meditated and how many days and how many, uh, how many times this year. So it's, that's fun to look at if like you're a numbers person or you like to track that stuff. When I, I spent the longest amount of time, step 11 was my, where I spent the most amount of time on my steps because there really isn't a whole lot of instruction like to tell you what to do. Um, I oh found, right? <laughs> right. So then I'm like, but then if somebody would tell me what to do, I wouldn't want to do it. So I was really in this conundrum of like, well, you mean it's wide open? I get to just decide how to pray and meditate? And my sponsor was like, yeah. 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 I was like, well, I, I don't, okay, I'm confused. I, I kind of want some instruction on this. She's like, sorry, there's really not. <laughs> like you oh get to decide God. all of that. If and I like, would have been your sponsor, I would have just patted <laughs> you on the hand and flushed your heart. <laughs> right Why? Why? <laughs> Why? I'm confused. Why? <laughs> oh no, bless your heart, you'll figure it out. <laughs> oh yeah. I was like wanting answers. And like, no. well, that's, that's another good thing about the app because there's different kinds of meditations, which I never really knew about before I started meditating either. Yeah. So obviously some have music, some are just someone speaking to you or giving you like visualizations or like prompts or mantras. Others are like chanting mantras where you like chant back or sing along type thing. So it's a good way to find out what you like and what's right. most comfortable kind of meditation for you. Totally. Well, that, that app was very helpful. I eventually took it off my phone and, and because I resist everything. Um, and then sometimes I put it back on. So it's still, I still spend a lot of time figuring that stuff out, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that is a great tool. Yeah. Okay. What's your last one, Kelly? So my last one is gratitude lists mm. and, and exchanging them with another woman in recovery, um, which I know you love gratitude lists, Tammy, and your, yours are inspirations for mine. And lately I've been getting more artsy with mine. Ooh. They used to just be like, you know, pen and paper 
list. Um, but now I've been using colored pencils and stickers. I bought a book of stickers the other day. I love it. <laughs> I love stickers. I'll have to send you some pictures of them. But um, I would love it. Yes, yeah, so keep them. I'm keeping them different each day. They look different, and eventually, I want to try painting them like you do sometimes. So, yeah, but, yeah, it's a good way to start my day. And obviously, thinking about gratitude makes me grateful for my sobriety and for where I am in life. Kind of aids me to live in the moment. And then, exchanging with another woman in recovery is kind of like someone who understands me. Normally, it's with Julie Palmer Vaughn. You guys know her. Oh, yeah. We, yeah. we text our lists to each other um, and support each other in that way. So that helps. I love it. Oh, I love that. It's such a good tool. It's uh, one I'm very surprised by. I'm, you know, me and Sandra talked about this before when I, I just, I, no one is more surprised by me that I do a gratitude list. Like I'm yeah. like, I used to think I used to completely judge the hell out of it and thought it was the most ridiculous thing. So the fact yeah. that I do it makes me just kind of laugh. Me too. Well. I used to judge it too. And I'm like, this is stupid. There's no point. <laughs> or I'm just writing the same things every day. Right. And now I like look forward to it. And I think like the art component to it now that I have mostly because of you, Tammy, is like, like helps because I get excited. I'm like, oh, what color, color pencils am I going to use today? Oh, <laughs> or like, what yeah. shapes am I going to draw? It gives, me, so it time, it it gives me time to think of the things. So it's like, it's part of the process. Like while I'm painting or whatever, I am thinking about what I'm going to put on the list. So yeah. it's like this, it, it's a different form. It's not a formal meditation, but it's like I'm meditating on the page. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, those are good ones. Yeah. Oh, Kelly, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It was so much fun. Uh, well, this is, this is going to come out um, right a couple of weeks or maybe 10 days before you're going to start your sober um, summer challenge. Perfect. So I think it's going to be exciting. Perfect. Um, where can people find you again? Just so we'll end it with, with that. Your website. They can go to my website, SoberSenorita.com. On Instagram, I'm the Sober Senorita, and my Facebook page is the Sober Senorita. Great. Well, thanks, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. This was great. Yes, it was awesome. Thank you, guys. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.